Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of Whisper in the Wings. Uh, we've got a great show today. Uh, special treat for you. We've got some cast members today. Uh, joining us today are Kirk and uh, Devin. Kirk, uh, uh, I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. Kirk Gas- Gaskowski? Guskowski. Guskowski. Oh, so. Sorry about that. Yeah. Kirk no, okay. and Devin Anderson, who star in Garbage Man, who's uh, Garbage Man, which is currently playing at uh, the Chain Theater here in New York City. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I, so I had the pleasure of getting to see their show last week, and I, I got to tell you guys, it seriously, this was kind of what I expected, but also not what I expected. I, I stumbled on this show via show score. Um, they, you know, they didn't send me an offer or anything, but there was, I just saw it as I was reviewing shows and I was like, Oh, what's this? And I thought it was just going to be a comedy and um, which it was, but then it totally, <laughs> totally took a 90 degree turn in a way. And I was like, Oh, Oh, hold on a second. Let me get my popcorn and, and just nibble on this some more, you know. So why don't you guys tell us a bit about your show? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a story, you know, about two uh, high school friends have known each other for a long time. And they, um, they are friends, but they also have a history together. And it's complicated. And um, Devin's character, Buddy Maple, needs a gun for a very specific purpose. And he comes to my apartment in search of said gun. And it's an exploration on kind of where we're at in this country today. I think it's showcasing two individuals that you don't necessarily always see in theater, particularly lately. I think this comes from a long tradition of American theater focusing on kind of the working class. Uh, Arthur Miller did this with Death of a Salesman. I mean, uh, Tennessee Williams did this with Stanley Kowalski. This is, uh, this is the traditions of where we've come from as a country, and that becomes more precarious I think with where our country is at right now. So I like, I try not to give everything away about where things head, but it is uh, both a, a very, like there's a lot of absurdist comedy in it as well as uh, very serious topics that I think America is facing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, uh, one thing I do want to throw out that I think is great um, that might throw some people off. I know it threw me a little bit was the use of your multimedia in the production. Uh, when you walk in, there's the, the Korean dramas being played on TV. And I love the incorporation of that in your show, um, how you string all that together. Um, and then just in general, I, I do want to make one more comment about your set. What a brilliant use of the space you guys have, you know, and it's not a huge stage, but, the way you guys hide things and utilize things in that, I mean, I think that's brilliant, you know? We were very fortunate to have worked with Richard Hoover on this production. And Richard uh, is a friend of the playwrights. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. He's done so many of the movies that I've loved. He was the production designer for After the Fall that was on Broadway. Oh, okay. Peter Krause from Six Feet Under, which was like... A truly life-changing experience for me when I went to see that play. So coincidentally, when Keith said, hey, my friend Richard uh, read the play and really loves it, would you talk to him about it? And he said it who it was. I was just over the moon. Uh, Richard also was a production designer for most of Brian Helgen's movies. 
42, the Jackie Robinson movie. He's the production designer for Dead Man Walking. He was a member of the Actors Gang with uh, w- with all of those amazing people in L.A. He's, uh, I mean, a Girl Interrupted, he did the production design for. If you look at his website, you just, you go like, oh my God, I, I didn't think those were sets. They were, I thought that was a real prison they were in. I thought that was a real mental institution that those characters were in. It's just phenomenal. It was a joy working with them. So yeah, I'm so glad that you enjoyed the set because it was, it was a, a, a really like a lifelong goal to work with him and it just kind of worked out for this. Wonderful. Yeah. So now how... How, uh, what was it like developing this show? I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, Devin, for instance, you've got, um, you've obviously got to spend some time with a cane the whole time. <laughs> and, you know, the uh, uh, building the bonds that you had to build, and like you had alluded to, the subject matter, keeping that low burn and kind of keeping that, like a, that, that twist at the end of the first act. I did not by any means see that coming. What was it like developing all of this? Uh, I, I mean, um, yeah, we've been working on this production since uh, January. Kirk even tossed me the script before uh, Christmas break, and uh, we just dove right in. I mean, in terms of the process, I, I've been working with a cane since uh, about January, uh, and uh, just dove in deep. I mean, yeah, because I would never have get. Truly, honestly, I thought you were an actor with a limp hand to God. I was, it wasn't until one point there was a little bit of light that I saw you like dash off stage. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so same for you. You've been working on this since January then as well. Yeah. Well, I've been working on it a little bit longer. I'm also the artistic director of the company. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, uh, I've worked with Keith in the past. Uh, we have a friendship. Uh, we've been talking about doing another show together since we did the premiere of one of his other plays in 2018, 2019, excuse me. And, uh, he was like, Hey, what do you think about this? I sent it over and I said, can we do this? And he said, well, I'm shopping it around right now, but you really feel strongly about it. I said, I will do it tomorrow. If you let me tomorrow. (laughs) Um, so the script, as, you, as you've as seen it, um, has changed a little bit. The okay. title changed, a few things here and there. It's tightened up. Um, there's some new monologues. I think it really honed in, and that's just a testament to Keith working so hard and knowing what to do. Um, but the script is the script. I mean, this is, the, this is what I was handed pretty much um, about six months ago, and it was just uh, incredible. I went on the ride reading it, did not see a lot of the turns and the twists. And I was like, wait, maybe I could actually do this. I could play Dan Dandana. And it was really, really exciting. So yeah, I, I love those two characters too, because I feel like they are such, such relatable characters, you know? And I love that you guys related to like your high school experiences. Cause I was like, I think I went to high school with some of these guys, you know? And it kind of gave you that moment to reflect and be like, do you, are there people, do you have people in your life that are like this? Are they in the, in this situation kind of thing? So leading into that, is there a message that you're hoping that audiences will connect with or walk away from your show with? It's, you know, it's hard. I don't think there's a simple answer for anything that's happening in the world right now. So I don't think that the show can sum up everybody's experience at once, but what I am hearing people grasp and I like to hear this is that, even though they don't agree with the people that they're seeing on stage. Um, and I don't agree with the people you're seeing on stage and I'm playing one of them. Um, they're seeing their humanity and they're listening. And 
I think time and time again, a lot of our shows come back to that basic principle. If people would just listen to one another, the world would be a different place. And even though there's a lot of hijinks and comedy in this, and that's really what I want people to do. I want to be able to people to have, take the ride, have a good time, laugh, have a real night out of the theater, but it is a think piece also at the end. So I think that the, when people stop communicating is when there's no more road forward. And if you can just listen to people and see maybe a little bit beyond just personally where you're at, um, as hard as that is, sometimes you can, you can move forward in this world. And it's, uh, I hope that's not putting too much on a play, but, um, it's a comedy too. You know, I want people to laugh. I want people to have a good time. It's okay to, to laugh and learn something. That's, that's okay in these days and age. And what about you, Devin? Is there, is there a message that you're hoping that that audience members leave with? I think Kirk tapped into it. It's um, honestly, I spend like the first 45 minutes of the play telling uh, a story. And I think um, the biggest thing that I hope people take away is the power of listening to listening to one another, to letting each other tell each other's stories. And maybe there will be growth from that. And that really is, these are two very unique journeys, two very unique characters. And these are characters that are real. They are out there. And perhaps if we listened, if we uh, heard their stories, we would understand each other a little bit better. I love that. Yeah, I. this was a weird experience in a way for me because as I'm seeing this, like you had said, I didn't necessarily want to relate to these characters because I didn't want to agree with them. But I also found myself, I don't want to say empathize, more sympathize for them. And I, I, immediately after I left your show, um, I walked up to the Winter Garden to go meet my wife, and she asked me about your, you know, the show I saw, and I was telling her about it. I literally start to finish, and I told her, I said, "What was interesting is, it, it showed the other side of the coin in a way I didn't think about, which was nice. It, it humanized this other perspective that I immediately go to and just be like, no, don't want to hear it. I'm not." Mm. I'm put off by that. And I, and I appreciated that. So I think you both have hit it where it made me listen and made me leave the theater and go, I, I got to listen to both sides. I need to do a better job of that. Even though I'm just like, I feel like I'm an open-minded kind of person. I had that realization of maybe I'm not. I got to go back and sit in the chair if I'm not as good a human as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge of the, of, of the play is that, you know, it forces you to listen to people that you don't always agree with, but I, in a kind of comedic way. So I think comedy is the, is the conduit of, of, of the conversation. I think that's the best way to handle it. Um, and that's what's so brilliant about Keith's writing. It, it's, it's hard, you know, because I don't agree with the person I'm playing and I find myself in a position of often choosing roles where I don't agree with the person I'm portraying to walk around in their shoes and to find out what their life is like. And it's like, it's okay to disagree with people. It is. It's okay. It's when we stop talking to one another, though, it becomes dangerous. Yeah. When people just feel that they're nothing and they're so belittled that that's what keeps people locked up in their rooms and uh, wringing their hands and doing bad things. I think when people feel heard, whether you agree with them or not, a lot of times, a lot of things can change in the world. 
um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a complicated piece. Yeah, no, I, you've you've completely nailed it on the head. Um, God, I couldn't put it any better. I, that I'm just gonna record that, put that in when we talk about your show on our full podcast. I'm like, here it is. There's the message. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope so. I mean, I hope I've been paying. I've been like, you know, I've been, you know, talking about the show and thinking about the show and like, why am I attracted to playing people that I don't agree with or like, why do I want to play Dan Bandana so bad? Like, I talked to Keith about it. I'm like, you know, I've played Hamlin. I played Iago. This is as difficult as that. Yeah. Well, because it, it's weird stepping into those roles. I mean, and even Devin, your role, for instance, I did not see that turn coming. I, I literally was like, this poor guy. I, and, and when we learn about your motives, and I was like, oh, I'm, I feel bad and I can kind of support this. And then literally the end of act one, I thought that the reason why you come to talk to Dan and say, I need a gun, that was, that was the play. Where the, 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 the twist and turn comes, I didn't see that from your character. You, you, I, I could see Dan Bandana being in, in amongst that crowd, but 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 Devin's character, I was like, if I saw you on the street <laughs> or in a bar or something, would not you don't come off as that? And that threw me. I the lights went out of intermission, and I was just like, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> I I'm definitely doing the assuming game. So I I think you're right. The comedy is what lures us in, but then there's that serious. You know, we, we've got to have that. Here's the moral. We're going to teach you a moral while you're at it. Hey, have you seen us lately? Calling all the shots, even with the ninja roster. Time to know it's time to believe that the time is now that we're going to make it bleed. Top shelf is always open. That's the place where Kessler rocks the water bottle floating. Daniel and Henrik are always causing pain with the tip to tape pass that'll mesmerize your brain. Pearls flying at you with the heat as clean as Mrs. Cleaver from that show. Leave it to Beaver. The Wongo's glove hand sticks side has a double stack. Gives the opposition a score heart attack. Um, I think one of the bigger questions that I wanted to ask, um, especially in this day and age, is who do you guys think or hope have access to the show? It's a, uh, you know, I think it's a show that everyone could uh, benefit from seeing. I think that's what the, the joy of comedy is, is that hopefully it could reach across sides of the aisle, uh, reach across everything. But ultimately, I mean, the theater going audience um, that I'm mostly like minded as I think is the people that kind of should benefit from seeing the show and maybe hearing a different perspective and being challenged a little bit on how we feel right now. Um, because I'm one of those people. I have a hard time talking to people that I disagree with. And I think this has been a really healing process for me looking at it from the other side. Um, there's a, there's a billion dollar machine out there. Now I sound like a political nutcase, but there's a billion dollar machine out there getting in people's heads every day, you know, gas prices are up. They want to blame somebody. It's easier to blame somebody than to really dig in. What are they being fed? What are they reading? What are they seeing? Um, and there's people in my family that I disagree with too. And how do I come to how do I come to deal with that? That this person who I love for my whole life, what I'm gonna just abandon them mm -hmm. now? We're gonna abandon ship. 
And I kind of was there personally, like, okay, well, we can abandon ship on our relationship, but maybe it's more complicated than that. Maybe, maybe I can see what, you know, I don't have to agree with it. Um, particularly a lot, you know, the specific parts of it. Um, but we don't always all have to agree, but we have to accept each other that we're, we're people. I like that. Um, so with our podcast, we, I mean, we talk a lot about theater. We, we break down shows, um, talk about the synopsis and the design elements and all that. But we also mainly focus on our experience ourselves at the show, what we got out of it, personal memories, things like that. So I wanted to talk to you guys kind of about your personal experience in the theater. Um, so I wanted to start off by asking you guys, um, what shows in the past have inspired you or do you love, or maybe writers or composers uh, that fall in those guidelines? So um, uh, Kirk, why don't we start with you? Where, where, where does that fall for you? I'm constantly inspired by the theater. That's why I've devoted my whole life now to it um, and running this place. But uh, I did mention that after the fall production before, that was a big show for me. I think it's an incredible play. We actually wound up doing that play. That was the first play we produced in our theater um, when we opened in Long Island City, when we had a space there. And Devin was in that with me. Um, but uh, if I want to talk about specifically, like on this train of thought too, like David Rabe was a huge influence to me. Uh, we did Hurley Burley. Devin was in that as well. You're seeing, you're going to see a trend here. Um, we did in the boom, boom room then and worked with David Rabe. It's, you know, I, I think Keith and David have similar kind of styles and I've, they're challenged the audience. They explore people that you don't necessarily want to agree with, but they do it in such a brilliant, smart way that you just are so engaged by it. And, and Keith, I mean, Keith Huff, a steady rain, with Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig that I was like, I'm going to go see this play because I admire these two actors. And I mean, I'll see anything that Hugh Jackman does. I just love, love his work. I saw The Boy From Oz three times, was inspired by that, but saw A Steady Rain and was so knocked out by it. The brilliance of the writing, the brilliance of those performances. Uh, Daniel Craig in a way that I'd never seen him before, playing the kind of the, the more... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say nebbish uh, cop, uh, but like, I don't know, like the, the, not the stronger of the two personalities in that play of how he transformed himself for that role. And then the joy of eventually reaching out to Keith and working with him is, you know, it's such a huge inspiration to see something that inspires, you know, that, that changes you. And then you get to work with that person and, the last two-hander that Keith Huff had on Broadway was that. The last two-hander in New York was A Steady Rain with Hugh Jackman and Daniel Craig. And now Devin and I get to have fun together working on another <laughs> one of his brilliant scripts. So anything can happen, folks. The world can change. And Hugh Jackman, you're, so, you're saying the music man, your wife's working for it? I loved that play. God, I had so much fun seeing it. It was so great. It what really a joy. Was. Yeah. He, he, my wife says he just, he's right down the hall from her room and he's just a delight to work with. He's as wonderfully human as he portrays on the stage. So, you know, it, that's awesome. Uh, and, and Devin, what about you? What, uh, what, what theater, what shows have inspired you or, or composers, playwrights? 
Uh, well, I mean, um, oh man, that's a, such a loaded question. Um, but I, I, one of one of my favorite playwrights that had definitely sent me spiraling spiraling down into the world of acting is has always been uh, Martin McDonough. Uh, I saw Pillow Man on Broadway when I was yes. back in college. Like I, I flew all the way to New York City uh, to see that show, and you know I, I stayed after to talk to all the actors, and then I saw it again, and then I had the fortune of doing the Pillow Man with Kirk at the Chain Theater. So that was like a bucket list play for me. And but Martin McDonough has always been such a prolific writer, and I I very much enjoy uh, dark comedies. I'm always drawn to it, where it's like. It's that, do, am I allowed to laugh? Should I be laughing at this? Should I, I should be examining why I'm laughing at this. Like, like, what does this say about us? Like all of that stuff is like, it's so interesting to me. And it's something that I'm obviously drawn to, you know, doing a production like Garbage Man as well. You, like when I read the script and Kirk too, like when we read the script, we were laughing our butts off. And when we did the first reading, like we couldn't, like we couldn't even stop ourselves from breaking character and laughing. Like we were laughing at each other because it was so funny. But then you do the production and you find that like nine out of 10 audiences are like, I don't know if I should be laughing right now. But that to me is, is so interesting and so intriguing. And I think it produces such great results. And then um, major segue, uh, a play that's always stood out in my mind that I love so much and I'm hoping bucket list I get to do, you know, 10, 20 years down the line is it's a play by John Logan called Red. It's about the, it's a by, it's about the artist Mark Rothko. It was on Broadway many years ago with Alfred Molina. And um, I already forgot his name. Kirk, who am I thinking of? The- is it Eddie Redmayne? Was it yeah, Eddie Redmayne. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's always been a, a huge play. And I'm hoping that, you know, eventually maybe I'll shave my head and play Mark, Roth- Mark Rothko on stage. I love that you said Pillow Man, the Pillow Man was um, one of your go-to like aha moments. Cause I, I so on, on top of doing all this, I'm a dresser in the theater. And I remember running a production of Twelfth Night back when we lived in Salt Lake at our regional house. And I was reading the Pillow Man cause I have like a whole bookshelf full of plays and I just I go buy plays and I'm like sure I'll just read it why not you never know what you're gonna find well I bought the pillow man and I'm just reading this play and the three gentlemen who I were dressing like come up from their scene and they look at me and I'm like and they're like what's going on I'm like I don't know what I'm reading but I'm strangely hooked in this is incredibly dark but good (laughs) like it's like Law and Order SVU. You don't want to turn it off, but you're just like, yeah. shouldn't be watching it, you know? So that was one of those first shows for me that I was like, I didn't know we could talk about or do this in the theater. Like, okay. So I, yeah, that's fantastic that you brought love that it. in. Yeah, I love it. Um, have you guys seen any great theater lately that you'd recommend? I mean, have you had a chance to? I know you guys have been busy with this, but have you had any opportunity to see anything lately? I mean, I saw the Music Man uh, right during while we were rehearsing the show. I went with my whole family and just absolutely loved it. It was just so fantastic. So it's just it like I I don't know. I, I'm I have a real hard time that anybody criticized that play because people are. I, I know that the reviews are mixed, which is so bizarre to me because it's a joy. It's a joy that Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman are doing that show together. They're so great together. Everyone in the cast is so great. The choreography, 
everything is just so spectacular. It's like, this is why people come to New York City to see plays. They want to have a good yeah. time. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with having a good time in the theater. Of course, you know, we're, we're uh, toiling and like making people think and stuff and like forcing <laughs> them in the, the corner of like what, what's in your soul. But, um, <laughs> but like, you're allowed to do everything. This is what it's about. Yeah. It's, like, it's a good balance. That's what we need. And he's so great. He's just such a joy to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Devin, how about you? Have you gotten to see anything? I haven't seen anything in so long, uh, but I like my my list of like all the plays that I want to see. Are, it's just growing by the day, and then going back to what we were just talking about. I I just found out that Martin McDonough's Hangman is back, and mm-hmm. I I remember walking past that theater during the pandemic when New York City was closed. I was still walking to my job every day like the subways were shut that shut down so i would walk to my job every day and i would always walk past hangman just because i was like oh god i wish i had seen it before it closed and the fact that it's back so it's it's definitely on my list of things that i'm going to see once uh, i get a moment to do it i can't wait to see that i just saw the before the pandemic like the little trailer teaser thing and i was like i'm sorry you made a comedy out of what you know, and I was like, okay, let's go see this. And then the world ended. So I, when they announced it came back, I was like, oh, yay. Now let's get Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf back and we'll be winning, you know. <laughs> um, uh, just last couple of questions, uh, prying a little more personal. Um, what is your guys' favorite part about working in the theater? You want me to take that first? Yeah, it's- yeah you take that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to touch that. <laughs> it's too big, too big. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a big question. It is. And uh, I, I now have, you know, I'm on both sides of it. I'm both on the administrative side and on the uh, the acting side and the producing side. And I love it all, you know. Um, it's, it's a great uh, opportunity for people to come together in a way that no other experience is like. When we weren't able to do it anymore, it was, it was really upsetting i think it really you know the the challenge of the pandemic of sitting there going okay so what have i been doing this whole time what have i been devoting my life to is this is this a time to start over is this a time to rethink and it's like no i dug in deeper we're expanding as an organization we're taking over another floor we're doubling our size we're going to have a 99c theater opening this may Mm. as an actor which is my first love it's Honestly, it's doing something like this. This is a huge challenge. This role is a huge challenge for me. It's a, I think it's a challenging play. It's uh, originating something which I, you know, that of this scope I've never been able to do before. And the greatest fun I have as an actor is working with, with people that I, that, that's the joy of it. Like I don't have much interest in doing a solo show because it's about reacting and tossing the ball and that's the joy of it. So working with Devin has always been for the last 12 years, one of the, the joys of theater for me. It's beautiful. You want to take a whack at this Devin or. <laughs> well, thank you for taking that first Kirk, because I was like, I don't, what do I say? What do I say? Um, I, I mean, I grew, I grew up um, in a family of fine artists. So art has been such a huge part of my life. And so I, I like, my life has been a lot of like 
painting, drawing, sculpting, and it, it took off like that. But then I found acting and theater and I, I just like, it became my new fine art. Like, and I thoroughly enjoy crafting a character and crafting a role, approaching it almost like sculpting and chipping away things and finding that character at the center of the big block. But like, instead of it just being this, you know, frozen piece of stone, it's this living, breathing thing that, you know, reacts and cares and has a story. And so that to me, like the, the creating is the, my favorite part about the whole thing. And then probably close second is collaborating, collaborating with beautiful, wonderful, caring people such as everyone at the Chain Theater and Keith Huff, which has been so amazing to work with the actual playwright to be able to give you insight into that character that you're trying to chip away at. It's been so invaluable. So there you go. It's amazing. So our, our final question to wrap things up um, is um, what, uh, what's your favorite theater memory? You know, we uh, rounding out about what got you into the theater, why you love doing it. What is it that, what, what was your favorite theater memory? Of, I mean, obviously up to date, but you know, what hangs in there for you? Another loaded question. These, these questions are so loaded and Finishing with uh, the heavy hitters, right? When you thought I know. you were going to get easy. <laughs> I know. And like, I, I've been thinking about this for hours and, and like, I'm like, what, what's the perfect memory? And I know I'm going to think of like 1700 more, like three hours later. And I'll be like, can we edit it back in? Uh, gosh. Um, I mean, uh, one of my one of my favorite memories, which uh, was when I was doing regional theater many, 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 many years ago. I was doing a production of Sherlock Holmes in Horse Cave, Kentucky. I was doing a production of Sherlock Holmes in Horse Cave, Kentucky. This is a very small, dry county, but everyone in this county very much turns up for the show. They turn up for the show, and it was it was kind of a low stakes production. You know, it it, it was just. It was a great time. We were all kind of, you know, living together in the, the little housing that they provided for us. And I'll never forget the last day of our show. We were all just like, we were just all goofing off with each other. The last day of our show for Sherlock Holmes, we all decided that we were going to each try and say something. We were going to try to work into our dialogue something that didn't belong in the dialogue. And we made it so that each character in the play, even like the spear holder person would say this one piece of dialogue. So like, <laughs> to me, that was just like, uh, I forget what it was. It was something like one, one of the characters we named Lightfoot. And so at one point, every character in this play, and there's like 20 actors, we all said the phrase Lightfoot. And I'm sure all the audience members are like, why, was, why is everyone saying Lightfoot in this play? Like including spear holder number three. But to me, that was just, it was so fun. It was a, a cast. We, like, it, 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 we, we bonded. We had such a great time. And, you know, this, this last production, we're all, you know, goofing off and having a good time. So that's a, that's a, fam that's a fam memory. Love that. Uh, and then, Kirk, how about you? 
Yeah, it's it's that's a hard one to to narrow down. I mean, I there's no there's no good uh, specific answer because there's so many moments uh, now that I've spent so much time uh, in my life in the theater. But um, I guess maybe it was like the first time I ever was on stage in high school. Maybe is a is one of the best memories ever that I. I had no idea what I was getting myself into to the length that I was. I was doing Barefoot in the Park. I was playing Paul Bratter, which is the part that Robert Redford plays in the movie. And I just remember that we were backstage and the stage manager said, okay, five minutes, you know? And I turned around and I looked at her and I said, I don't know any of my lines. (laughs) And she looked at me and she was like, what? And instead of like, you know, being a consoling person, she started (laughs) getting really freaked out that I was gonna tank it. You know, like I just had such stage fright. I don't know if I ever had such stage fright again. And it was like, I heard my cue line and Paul comes into the play, like, I don't know, 20 minutes in. So I was sitting there for 20 minutes, racked with fear. For some reason, it just struck me. And I heard my cue and I went through the door and I, and I went in and it was like flying. Uh, it's, and I feel that even during this too, it's like, you just got to be in the moment. You just like, you're, you're basically just cascading through the air, repelling off of things as you're trying to get to the ground, you know, cause you just have to be in the moment and trust that everything's in your mind somehow. Um, and I got a standing ovation after the show. <laughs> when I vowed and I was like, well, that was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> you know? Please tell me the next night you said the same thing to her when she said five minutes, she was went, I forgot all my, I don't know my lines. No. And I mean, by then I was like, well, this is old hat now. I can, I can do this. Um, but there's something about it. It's no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how long you've done this, I genuinely feel that if it's a really challenging role, it should scare you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. I mean, I felt it opening night with this one too. It was like, Ooh boy, are we going to get through this? Like, yeah. are we going to be able to do this? Like we're going to go for the whole time with no stops. You know, it's, yeah. it sounds so silly. And I always brush it off when people are like, how do you learn all those lines? But this time again, I have to say, I was like, that's a lot of lines. That's a lot of lines. There's a lot of black on that page. I'm not supposed to have that much. <laughs> you know, you, you highlight your script and my script's right here. You highlight your script and you start rolling through it and you go, what are all those highlighted words that I'm supposed to say? You know, like every time. Uh, that is Something always like the hardest one where they're like, how do you memorize all that? And you're like, I don't know, man. I just... It happens. Don't ask me the way, because then I'm going to get in my head and I'm going to get the yips. You know, it's don't make me think about it. So that is fantastic, though. That is both of those stories. That's fantastic. I I love that. I'm going to be giggling about that tonight when I'm at my show. Um. <laughs> so, are there any productions? Um, Kirk, this might be more for you, but are there any productions coming on the pipeline for the Chain Theater, or or maybe either that you two are doing? in the future for you guys? Well, we have a number of things always on the docket here. We produce 365 days a year. We have rentals as well as our own productions, but 
Next on the docket will be our one-act festival during the summer. That'll happen in July, which submissions will be opening for at the end of this month. Then in August, we have an international film festival that will be celebrating its 10th year this August. So the August 4th through the 14th. Uh, somewhere in between all this, we're going to do another usual reject show, of course, when Devin's ready and we've all healed up after this thing. Uh, we do movie parody shows. Five to seven actors take on every single role in a movie blockbuster, usually an action-packed film. It's with cardboard props, and there's trivia, and it's a drinking game. So audience members are involved the whole way. They can also ask an actor to stop uh, and, and drink at different moments when whoever's playing God. So those are really exciting shows, and we always do those together. It's, it's a big part of um, our comedy training to be able to do this play, Garbage Man, which is running through uh, April 16th at the Chain Theater. Um, then in the fall, we're going to be producing a new play called What Passes for Comedy. It's by G.D. Kimball, who's our dramaturg. It's a wonderful play. I'm so excited. We were we had this in the docket when there was going to be a pandemic. Uh, so now we actually can do this, and we have uh, we have it coming up in store. It's just uh, a lot of things happening here, and also this May we'll be opening our new 99 seat theater in this building on the third floor. So and we'll have two floors, four theaters with four rehearsal studios. That is incredible. Incredible. Holy cow. Yeah. See, my, my first introduction to you guys was when I came and saw your show. And you, reading that in the program, I was like, how did I not know about this theater? Hold on a second. And I just want to know more and more about you guys. Because hearing everything you just listed, I'm like, sign me up. This sounds the, – the, what, what was the movie night you, you said? The, Usual I Rejects. Re yes, that one. Yeah, I want to go to that. Yeah, you'll like that. Yeah, you'll like that. Oh my gosh, it sounds like a great like improv comedy night out. This is gonna oh yeah. my god. Sign me uh, up. It's it's a little it's a little too much fun. It's a little too much fun. It's 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 a lot. And we jam we we fill it. We fill it to the brim with everything that you know and love about whatever it is that movie. It's a celebration, it's a fan event. Like uh last year we did Titanic, but you know, we've done we've done so many we've it, we started with die hard and we just did titanic and it's a lot it's a blast okay i'm for sure coming done click save this is happening um well perfect so if our listeners want to get more information about your show or anything about the company how can they find it or reach out to you guys go to chaintheater.org that's re at the end the english way of spelling it also, we're on Instagram at Chain, Chain, wow, Chain Theater NYC and on Facebook at Chain Theater. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. My guests today have been Kurt Gus Oh, man. My goodness. It's okay. Kurt okay. Guskowski. I'll help you. Yes. 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 Guskowski. Kurt Guskowski and Devin Anderson, who are starring in Chain Theater's Garbage Men. Uh, which is playing until April 16th. Seriously, guys, go and see the show. It really is fantastic. It'll have you laughing, questioning yourself, really just even confused at moments that you weren't expecting. It's fantastic. It's a great piece of theater. Um, and then visit their website, Chain Theater, and that's theaterre.org um, for all the events coming up there. I, as it was mentioned, there's some really great things coming. So Devin and Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. 
Um, for everyone out there, you know, uh, make sure to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by David Blair, Jazzar, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.